everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Babe, your favorite podcast where I review candles, I talk to funny people, I talk to interesting people, and I do whatever the fuck I want. I don't like boundaries, and this podcast is a reflection of that. Um, with me today is a dear friend and an old one of my oldest friends, I would say. We've known each other for 10 plus years. Yeah. And we've recently cycled back into each other's lives. My friend Zia Sunseri, who is a modern mystic, medicine woman, and psychotherapist who specializes in women's empowerment in all areas of their lives, including sexual healing and sacred sexuality. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being here. It's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. This is your first podcast ever. That's right. Your first of what will be, I'm sure, many podcasts and articles and thoughts and forays into the world. I accept your proposal to the universe that this is the first of many podcasts that not only you do that flourish and continue to flourish and grow, but that you're popping my podcast cherry. Yes. In order to launch me into podcast land so that I can spread a lot of the wisdom I've been sharing in smaller groups and one-on-ones. Yeah, I'm ready for your wings to spread wide and fly over the podcast verse and then land in the eagle's nest that is the Goop podcast. (laughs) And then I'm ready. I'm already living in a dimension where the Goop podcast comes out featuring you and I'm listening to it right now in that other dimension. That would be fucking awesome. And when I walk into that room, we're going to be talking about how you were featured on it before and how coincidental and wonderful and crazy that we were talking about it now. I know. And we'll all laugh. Just <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all the listeners will be so annoyed because it's kind of annoying when people laugh with each other inside <laughs> laughter on the Goop podcast. But guess what? We'll have been on the Goop podcast. We won't yeah. give a shit. Yeah, yeah, it'll happen. Yeah. Um, Either that or any other giant podcasts or, you know, yours is growing too anyway. So. It's growing. It's growing. And you know growing. what I mean? I have a dedicated rabid readership <laughs> that i cherish and love every last one of them yeah we appreciate you out there as long as they're engaged mm-hmm. and they're active and they're listening and they're thinking and they're moving in the world and connecting yeah like, they're all doing all those things being their weird selves and their authentic selves mm-hmm. and having fun and getting lots of lols out of this then yeah we love you mission accomplished exactly um Full disclosure, Zia gave me my, well, actually, I I said it was my first. It's not my first Yoni egg. Okay. I did put a Yoni egg set on my Amazon wish list, and one of the readers got me. And I did wear one one night when I was asleep, but then I kind of felt weird about, like, Yoni eggs from Amazon. Like, I felt like (laughs) maybe that's not. I thought, like, that's kind of babe of me to, Did you sage it or anything first? Well, yeah, I, like, washed it. You washed it. Okay. But I didn't like blood. There was no ritual around it. I was just like, "Hmm." and then it also had a really long leather string on it. So I was like, this is weird to sleep with a long leather string. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I shan't be returning to these yoni eggs, but I really did appreciate the gesture of the reader. Um, So this situation is a little different. Yeah. No, the one I gave you is not drilled. 
So it requires a little more trust and skill to get it in and out. But yeah, you can leave it in as long as you want. It's not going to hurt you. For days? I have, yeah. But you wouldn't want to leave it in there like a week, would you? I personally have left mine in for a couple of days. First of all, to use with it, use it for uh, dream working. So set an intention, put it in before bed, and then leave it in during the whole day, and then the next night, and then I took it out the next day. That's the longest I've gone. Okay. But for the physical benefits of like doing your yoni workout, mm-hmm. working your vajayjay, you know, doing your kegels, yeah, not only just pulling them in, but using the muscles to push the egg down and out, which a lot of people don't realize is the opposite. Uh, it's step two of a kegel. So a lot of people are just going like, constrict 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 Mm -hmm. and most people don't realize that there are also the opposite muscles that you push out like birthing you know basically like birthing yeah um so you only want to do that every other day in the beginning for three minutes because you can overdo it so (laughs) i had a women's in one of my women's groups they're not going to name her name but she knows who she is so i don't don't want to definitely not going to name her it's very sweet, very, um, well, a lot of my clients are like super motivated, you know, really powerhouse type of women. So they give everything their all. Mm-hmm. So she figured if she did 20 minutes a day as a beginner that she would, you know, get stronger faster. Yeah. Please. This isn't Barry's boot camp. Readers. This is not like power yoni yoga. Okay. Yeah. This is something different. You can overdo it and you can get really sore. So you want to not overdo it. So only every other day for up to three minutes. And there's certain positions that you want to be in when you do it and things like that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So a yoni egg works in like two kind of different ways. Like you can wear it for just wear it and uh-huh. be thinking about it or sleep with it in, or you can use it as like an exercise tool where you yeah, push it, like you pull it in and out with uh-huh. your vagina. Exactly. Okay. And you get more and more skilled at it. So like if you're pushing too strong and like you're not wearing like tight yoga pants or something, it will shoot out. Mm-hmm. So powerful. <laughs> So if you really want to learn how those Thailand, those ladies in Thailand, like shoot the ping pong balls balls across the room. Yeah. Start practicing with your yoni egg. I see nothing wrong with having like a weaponized vagina. (laughs) Like I think every woman should have a vagina that could shoot to kill. Absolutely. And the way you put it in too, I don't think that was even, I don't even know what was going on with the Amazon Yoni eggs, but I don't, I feel like they were the opposite way, but you put it in the thicker side, it goes in first and the smaller side goes. Yeah. Like if the, like it's pointing down. Exactly. That's the thinner, smaller part of the egg points down. Um, 
that's the natural shape of where your uh, vaginal walls would open up into that little area that's right around your cervix, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it would sit in there more comfortably. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, back to like, you know, the various benefits, physically, you're getting a workout that strengthens the pelvic floor. And, you know, I hope we don't get slapped with some huge fine for making claims against (laughs) for yoni eggs or whatever, like Gwyneth Paltrow did. But um, the people who are haters of yoni eggs are really just haters of women's power and women's empowerment and women's um, sexuality and sexual empowerment. Because Yoni eggs are all about sacred sexuality, being in touch with your body, having a mind-body connection between your head mm-hmm. and your vagina mm-hmm. and your vulva and your uterus, your womb, which is the chakra for creativity and survival and like life force. Yeah. So what you're doing is not only physical, which can stop uranesis. So a lot of women going into menopause or even younger women now are actually accidentally leaking a little bit of pee in their panties. Mm -hmm. And if you strengthen everything up down there with the yoni egg, it helps prevent that. It also helps rehabilitate after childbirth to give you something. It's like lifting weights with your vagina. Yeah. Um, And the mental health benefit is What's interesting is there's some studies out there that show that most women are walking around physically aroused and 80% of the time not aware that they're physically aroused. Like physically aroused in what sense? Like their vagina has blood flow, their um, vulva is engorged, their uh, or vagina has increased blood flow, vulva are engorged, um, the clitoris is engorged, the vaginal juices are um, more than they would be just resting and, mm-hmm. and not turned on. So a lot of women are walking around turned on down here. But just completely and disconnected. completely disconnected, like from the waist for, or from the neck down. They're just like not conscious of their bodies. So one way that a lot of my clients who have used this in women's groups or women that I've taught one-on-one how to use them, they'll say, oh my gosh, I'm like horny all the time. And I didn't even realize it because I had been like mentally cut off from my vagina. And now that I'm wearing my yoni egg around the house while I'm cleaning or doing dishes or whatever, working at my computer, and I notice it, and then I think about it, and I do a few kegels, or set my intention that I put into my yoni egg, like now I'm so much more aware of every chakra between my you know crown and my vagina but also just aware of my sexuality like 24 7 and some people are like blushing when they tell me this and they're like is that okay like is it okay that I feel sexy at work or whatever taking you know a trip to you know a whole paycheck or whatever like mm-hmm. so <laughs> you're like no how dare you <laughs> experience the joys of horniness the joy of the joys and on. the torture of horniness perpetual yes. horniness well it's beautiful because if it is if we just call it horniness then you know we're not really giving it full credit we're not honoring it well you can call it horniness we can we can say fucking right we yeah can say fucking on your podcast you can call sex fucking and i think it can still be beautiful and loving and sacred and awesome i see nothing wrong with that i don't care what words we use but i want to add to it that it is creating an energy that can not only be used for coming to orgasm 
but that you can actually use that energy just to be more joyful and spread it through your body and have physical vitality effects. So increased blood flow flow to your vagina is not only going to protect your organs down there, your reproductive system from disease because more blood flow means more uh, flushing out, right? Mm -hmm. More juices means it's cleaner. That's our self-cleaning mechanism. But it is our life force. It is our pleasure is makes us live longer. So if we're experiencing even just desire, sexual desire, and we're more aware of it, and we can have that little shiver up our spine and be like, ooh, <laughs> like that is going to make us live longer. It becomes intuitive too, no? Like yeah. you're following literally your like arousal and letting it lead you to places that were mm-hmm. previously undiscovered. Yeah. Joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's antidepressant, by the way. It's antidepressant. To feel, to feel, to feel turned, turned, on. turned on. Yeah. Yeah. And to feel turned on by yourself without having to look at something or look at a person or whatever, but to just be like turned on by the fact that your body just wants to be turned on. It just lights up because it's, that's what it's doing right now. I'm trying to think of if I've ever been like super depressed, but also super turned on. And I don't maybe like once or twice, but then after treating my depression and being on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication for mm-hmm. a long, a while now, it's like, I've definitely experienced a sex drive drop. Yeah. And so I feel like a yoni egg could really like mix things up. Yeah. Of just having some awareness that I actually do have a vagina and I'm not like a Barbie doll. (laughs) Really? You're not a Barbie doll down there? No, I have like a whole baby making factory within my body. All right. And like a clitoris. And cool. If I wanted to make myself come, I could. That's awesome. But it happens like maybe once a month now, which is not enough. Oh, honey, that is. I know. It's really because it's like. I think antidepressants or certain medications, it's not even like I don't want to. Yeah. It's like it just is not on my mind as like a thing. Right. It's like not in the realm. And then also being celibate for a while, that become takes it off your mind more. So then it just like at the end of the day when I'm in bed, but I have Tony in the bed, I'm like, I would like Tony masturbate the, Tony, but then I'd have to move Tony the adorable pug I know I have to like move the dog like yeah. out of the bedroom like do all that I was just like no it's like I can't yeah because you don't want to develop a fetish for dogs right? no and I'm not trying to like, <laughs> quietly like jerk it with a dog in the bed <laughs> something about that feels wrong hey and ladies like like more power to you if you have no shame about that that's fine like animals don't care like they don't it's not gonna know weird them they out. don't really care and we're He's not just like pretty- we're not traumatizing them it's not like we're having sex in front of a child like they're really not that they don't care yeah they i mean don't they care. lick they lick their own butts okay I know. he eats so- like literal shit so i'm not <laughs> super worried about him i'm just worried about like he's very he's like easily 
hyped up and i just think that that <laughs> wouldn't end well for me i don't think i could really get in them it's more about me than he's it is still a puppy him. he yeah, still goes after things that move <laughs> maybe when he gets a lot older and is just like that's what it is so that's what you're saying he goes after things that move he, he goes after that and like a vibration i think would really throw him <laughs> I think I did actually. A finger flicking under the covers would totally it would be, like, like he would like, pounce and like bite. <laughs> it would do. I did one time. He was in his little bed uh-huh. next to my bed, but like off to the side. Yeah. And I was like, I think I'll just like masturbate really quickly. <laughs> yeah. And I grabbed my vibrator and yeah. turned it on. He immediately like perked up and was like on the bed, like trying to figure out where the sound was coming from. And I was like, okay, now I'm like not yeah. horny anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I used it to. It just becomes a chore. It it's not on my mind, and then when it is, it's like too much work. And so now you I'm have a puppy, like, yeah. and it's all getting very complicated. It's a classic <laughs> mom, new mom syndrome. It is mm-hmm. totally, yeah. But you know, if you do have like an old cat or an old dog, and they lay on the foot of your bed, or like Felt they're laying with on a your cat, like cats don't really. They're care. laying on your pillow, like ladies, like don't worry about it yeah ladies and gentlemen i guess yeah to each their own to each their own it's just as long as you're not like doing anything to the animal yeah with it. <laughs> leave the animal out like, of it <laughs> but it can be near it yeah <laughs> and walk away leave fully poor, mentally unscathed <laughs> leave the poor animal out of it okay yeah. like we're not condoning that at all no that is just, not what we're talking about here <laughs> yeah so (sighs) my sexual vitality could definitely like my sexual vibrations could be raised yes in a major way yeah because what we're talking about is a mindfulness technique Mm -hmm. using uh, a stone that's polished and smooth and fits up there in the vagina but what about so the haters will say Mm -hmm. that there's like bacteria on it that you can get like infections from a yoni egg. Yeah. Well, do you what s- say you to that? Okay. First of all, your vagina is not uh, antiseptic. Your entire body is covered in bacteria. Mm-hmm. We have bacteria throughout our digestive tract. It's all symbiotic with our bodies. Yeah. So you you know, you have bacteria in your eyelashes. You have little bacteria all over your skin that actually keeps you healthy. If you wash your skin too much with like harsh cleansers, have you ever noticed like you might break out? Yeah. I yeah. did that and got like some sort of eczema breakout. Yeah. So we have all this bacteria. We're practically, you know, I don't remember what percent of bacteria we are, but we have a lot of bacteria that makes up our body and symbiotic with us and is healthy. And the vagina has its own flora. And actually, when babies are born by cesarean, they have a lot more problems later because they didn't go out through the dirty vagina. Really? Yeah. So they're doing this new thing now mm-hmm. where um, if you have to have a cesarean, you can get request the doctor put some gauze up in your vagina. And right after the birth, what they're doing is they're swabbing the baby's faces with the microbiome. Ooh. of the vagina because the they need bacteria it. gives they swab the little baby's face right after, right after it gets pulled out of the cesarean section mm-hmm. they pull the gauze out of the woman's vagina the mom's vagina and they swab the baby's face with it they put the bacteria back on because what we've learned is that they, they literally give your baby a facial they give your baby a facial with vagina juice i'm doing that yeah yeah 
And if you don't get that, it turns out later in life that you have like all these, um, like a ton of allergies and food allergies and problems digesting and your immune system is lowered because what your mom gave you from the vagina bacteria, if it was swabbed on your face or if you came through the birth canal Mm -hmm. or, you know, if you were laid on her chest, at least some of, some of that from her skin, but the vagina has a lot more of the healthy bacteria that speak to the baby's immune system and say, these are the safe bacteria that you have um, protection from. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones that are going to go into your stomach and start growing and building and help you digest things. And these are the ones that are going to keep your skin nice. And it introduces like ba- basically like when you're fermenting something like you introduce a little bit of that bacteria, like the scoby of the kombucha or mm-hmm. whatever that, you know, yeah, it's the starter for what the baby needs to grow in its own body. Yeah. And if you don't get that dirty vagina juice on you, you actually end up sicker throughout your life. Fascinating. So vagina juice is awesome. Vagina bacteria is awesome. It's natural. But can you get an infection from like a yoni egg? If you... Because like... Stick your yoni egg in the kitchen sink with dirty dishes or drop it in a toilet with poop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which might happen to somebody out there when they're first learning because people might forget. Yeah. Well, you don't want to like drop it out and then put it right back in. Like, is there a proper cleaning? Yes. What proper, what's a proper cleaning technique? All you And also, are there certain ones like, because some stones are more porous than other stones. Yeah. So does that factor into it? They're not going to soak up much because they're so highly polished. If you get them from a good source that is GIA certified gemological society, mm-hmm. um, then they're real and they're not like injected with color or dye. They're not like an Amazon Yoni. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what color you got, but well, some- I got rose quartz. Oh, well, they're, pr- they're, pr- but that leather string really threw me. I was like, I, yeah, I, would, I don't trust this, but I I'm going to try it one night. And then I was like, mm, not I would for me. Just say, treat your um like i wouldn't stick leather up my vajayjay either yeah usually what i've heard when people are afraid and they want to put the string on is they use like waxed uh thread or Mm -hmm. you know dental floss yeah to pull it out but you know that's for people who are really really concerned and i have been using my yoni egg for so many years decades how when did you discover um, yoni eggs let's see about 25 years ago so it's a 10,000 year old tradition mm-hmm. 10, 10 or 13,000 year old from china so the the ancient empresses of china would use these to stay healthy and keep their sexual vitality um so it's a taoist tradition mm-hmm and they would get the finest jade because jade was revered for its qualities of um, bringing health and good fortune and vitality to humans. So it's very precious stone. So yeah, what were we saying? How did you? Oh, how to discover, wash it? Or, or, oh, well, I how to wash, how to wash it, it? But then we got on a tangent. Oh yeah. So but li- yeah. So if you drop it in, if let's let's say you take a pee or a poo. And you forgot you had your yoni egg in there and you shoot it out because you're putting pressure to shoot pee or poo out. Don't freak out. Just get, if you feel like you need to get like some gloves on and (laughs) reach into the toilet or just get it out as quickly as you can and um, wash it with some soap and water and 
water as hot as you can stand on your hands. You don't need to boil it or anything. And I wouldn't use anything like petroleum soap, like Dawn dish type Mm -hmm. of crap. I would use like, um, you know, I like to use like almond or rose uh, Castile soap or anything natural that doesn't have like a strong synthetic perfume on it because our vaginas do not like no scented. No, it's a non-scented journey. Non-scented natural dish soap could work fine as long as it's like that like pure you know Mm -hmm. no weird sulfites sulfates in it and stuff like that yeah but you can really just use like really hot water in fact you know i was taught um in fine dining by a restaurant owner and hotel owner that she was like we never wash our fine riddell crystal glasses with soap we only wash them with really hot water She's like, any other, any other kind of soap will leave a residue. Mm-hmm. So I personally don't even use soap on my uni. I just use really hot water. Yeah. Yeah. And your vagina's been fine. Ever and my since. vagina's been fine. And you air dry it on a clean washcloth or something like that or paper towel or whatever. Yeah. Or you get a little stand for it and you just like air dry it on your altar. Mm-hmm. Even better. Which, which everybody should have. You should have an altar to yourself. Yeah. And your fertility. And even if you're going to not use it for making babies balanced fertility is something that we need for balanced mind and about balanced emotions Mm -hmm. our hormones affect our emotions obviously yeah yeah a lot let's go back though i want to hear how you your like yoni egg introduction Mm -hmm. history so if you looked on my bookshelf when i was about 20 years old a friend came over to my apartment Mm mm-hmm in New York city and they were looking at my bookshelf and they said, Oh my God. Yeah. You have a really interesting collection of books. And I was like, what do you mean? And they said, well, it's like mysticism, sex, power. And then over here, there's like this whole BDSM section. And (laughs) And then there's this like, weird mystical sex section and then (laughs) all this buddhism stuff and like then you have like your school books for psychology and art they're like what is all that stuff and i'm like i'm just really interested in sex and power and like ancient sexual techniques and the whole mysticism around sex and i have a feeling that my sexuality is like something that is an energy exchange when i use it with people when I share it with people, I was like, I feel like it's really special. And I've had kind of spiritual experiences during sex. And like, I don't even know if like at that age, I often attributed it to the person that I was interacting with. And then I started to realize I was like, I'm generating this. Yeah. Like, and then that was kind of a problem. We, I don't even know if we want to go there, but we can, mm-hmm. uh, we can loop back to that if you want to, but like projecting your best qualities on your per- person you're dating or having sex with mm-hmm. and being like i'm dangerous or like being like i'm coming so hard because they're making me come right instead of like you just have the ability to like yeah. come really hard instead of and just, you like doing it with this person right and and being like they are so hot and that's why i'm experiencing this like all over tingling amazing thing and like now i'm addicted to them and have to have them again yeah what is that is what it, is that? It's just sexual it's like a, chemistry. It's like or, a conf- I think it's a confusion that a lot of 
people do, but I think women especially. I have been confused and addicted. <laughs> yeah. To well, a person that. Tell me about it. To someone who. If I showed this person to you, you would be like, what? Mm-hmm. And then I would just be like, I cannot explain it. It's like some sort of like, it's just like immediate, even like thinking about this person, I'm just like, oh my God, like if they weren't fucking psychotic, I would full blown <laughs> try and fuck them again. But like, yeah. it's just like a no for me. Yeah. But I do remember like wrapped in, a, up, in a recent podcast, you were talking about being attracted to dark horses. Sometimes dark horses. And this was a specific, this was a dark horse and also a specific red flag because I think he reminded me a lot of my dad and like it was working out sort Mm. of like daddy issues that were ongoing Uh by like pegging this person. I don't know. (laughs) And so it was like, it was more launching me onto like a a journey of self discovery that was started by like, just this like wild, re- not even a relationship, uh-huh. just like a purely sexual relationship that really opened my eyes to a lot of other serious issues that were underlying. Okay. And now here we are and I'm celibate, but I would love to find someone that I feel that way about, but not feel like my full, like I felt like addicted. Like I was like, if this person gives me a shred of attention, I'm literally like high as a kite. And then without them, I'm just like, I'm jonesing, like craving. So did you feel like that after the sexual experience? Is that when that happened? It was kind of like leading up to that, but then sex definitely enhanced those feelings a lot. Right. And then even afterwards, it did feel like that. But I just knew that it was really unhealthy for me to engage yeah. in this relationship and like put myself in a position where I was vulnerable to that. So I just kind of like it was truly like I quit heroin, like cold turkey, <laughs> yeah. just quit that dick cold. turkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't the dick that it wasn't the dick. Though, That's what we're getting back to. Yeah. And I know this because I went back. I relapsed like twice. <laughs> and slept with this person two more times Uh and both were terrible it was like there was nothing there no chemistry like it was truly like the first time was bad and i was like ew and then the second time i was like it can't be nearly be as bad as the first time like something was just off and like we'll get it back yeah and then it just wasn't there and then i was like damn like what i was glad because I don't know what I would have done if I got dicked down again and was like back in that like yeah. addict space. But it was also just like, hmm. Hmm. Now what? Well, we know that there's a psychological component, which you already pinned. Yeah. And then the, here's something that they don't teach you in sex ed. W2F. What the fuck? Why don't they teach girls and boys that when you have an orgasm with someone, you get this whole drugstore in your brain opening up that floods you with oxytocin, mm-hmm. which is, you know, they patented oxycotone, and that's like a severely addictive drug, right? But your brain makes this beautiful oxytocin, which is there to have us bond with each other as a species. So even friends, like when you're sitting really close to each other and looking each other in the eyes and speaking kindly or pillow talk with a lover or holding a baby, a mom nursing her baby, mm-hmm. oxytocin starts to flow from our brains. Like 
um, you know, when you're tickling your friend's back or braiding their hair when you're little or whatever, or even when you're not little, like, I think we should do that more often. Mm -hmm. Um, any kind of touch massage, like you get this like lovely flow, but when you have an orgasm, you get this huge burst of bonding chemicals. That's what that chemical is there to do. It's to keep the human species alive Mm -hmm. and reproducing and cooperating with each other kindly and being, you know, supportive so that we don't die. Yeah. Staying in community. Yeah. Staying in touch. Does the level of sexual intimacy that you're feeling in the moment plus an orgasm plus like any element of sexual adventure contribute to more of that? Oh yeah. Cause let's say it's like risky sex and you like get an adrenaline rush too mm-hmm. and dopamine, you know, or it's something like super exciting or something new or in a new place or whatever like that. Yeah. Or, or even just like a new person that you're just mentally, emotionally, romantically excited about, you know, it, it's like, it's all like, you don't even really know them yet. Mm -hmm. And you've got all these stories in your head, right? That you make up about what you think you know about them because it takes a long time to actually really get to know somebody. Um, But yeah, so you can project all that stuff onto them that really is like this fairy tale fantasy adventure thing. But yeah, but then if it involves like pain play or risky behavior or anything else that might shoot your adrenaline up Mm -hmm. and your epinephrine and yeah you're 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 getting a whole cocktail yeah (laughs) literal drugs from the (laughs) drugstore in your brain endogenous morphine and you know all that stuff Mm -hmm. your brain makes all of these wonderful drug feel-good drugs that you can just self-generate or you can self-generate through um you know, sacred sexual meditation through um, embodiment meditations that I teach people through working with your yoni egg and, you know, feeling and appreciating and, you know, removing shame from around your whole sexual being. That makes sense. And it happens for both genders. Mm-hmm. It does. I just, I think that men are um, a little different in terms of the way they're brought up to think about sex. And I don't know, there's debates about, you know, whether men are like naturally more monogamous or naturally more inclined, especially in their teens and 20s when they're just like raging hormones. Yeah. Whether they're more inclined to go out into the world and like, like a caveman, like spread their seed everywhere. I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. I don't, the verdict is out. There's a lot of conflicting talk about that. But I do know that the flood of these wonderful bonding chemicals from the drugstore in our brain is meant for us to bond. Because if you think about it, we can't survive, you know, little baby humans can't survive without people helping them survive for quite some time. So if you're sexually bonded, it helps the species survive, right? The cave person's going to stick around Mm -hmm. with the other cave person. Yeah. And like, go get them food and like, you know, protect them. And until the young one is old enough to like come and and help collect food or hunt or whatever. But now we don't have those same needs. Yeah. Necessarily. I mean, our biology hasn't changed though. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like, I feel like where there's this like dissonance between 
having all these brain cocktails <laughs> and like feelings and then living in a world where you can be more isolated yeah. from people if you desire to be than ever before and less intimate. Like you can choose a life and live a life of like very limited connection. Well, then if you are single and like, let's say you have high standards and you just don't want to get in a situation with another dark horse mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, or, or daddy figure, whatever you're, you, you're, you swear off, you just don't do anything for a while. <laughs> if you swear it off. Okay. And you're like, okay, I just need to, um, then put, you know, pause on that and self-reflect you don't have to give up any of that sexual exploration or sexual pleasure at all. In fact, I have myself used this technique and I never recommend anything to anyone that I haven't tried myself and loved Mm -hmm. and thought worked um, for me. So um, I, as a young person did this a lot. So, um, you know, me too. I was abused as a kid. I, I was sexually abused by multiple people, babysitter, um, uh, friend's grandpa. And I healed through all of that with lots of counseling mm-hmm. and a lot of um, intuitive self-healing work, um, some kind uh, lovers who were patient and would stop and like, let me cry and like, talk about things and work through it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the work I did on my own and that's why all those books were up there partly is I was just really interested in like, you know, why do people abuse people? What is, what is it that like, what's pedophilia about later on in my career? I went to actually for a whole year, um, counseled those people. To understand. To understand better, like, why the predators do what they do. Mm-hmm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How old were you when you started to begin your healing process around that abuse? Um, I would say about 16 to 18 is when I started really realizing the impact that it had had on me. Like I had some little memories here and there, but then I started having a lot more memory and asking questions and like digging into family history and asking people who were around like, hey, do you remember this or this or that? Or, you know, did you go to that babysitter too? Or like, what happened here? Or, you know, um, did that person do it to you too? Like what, you know? So I started really getting mad did you was that I'm also upset. around the time where you were starting to be sexually active exactly. so that the kind of like exactly drew like yeah. naturally just like drummed yeah up those so things. i started being sexually active and i didn't like it like i liked the making out part but i didn't like like the sex penetration with a boy like 
um, experimented with girls that was more pleasant. It was less scary, maybe because my perpetrators were males, but the not liking sex so much and feeling nervous around it and having like physical flashbacks and like little flashes of like terror and stuff like that. I was like, what is this? This is not right. And so I was like, okay, I, I knew about one or two incidents, but then I started to remember others from other times and they were eventually all verified. Um, and you know, that's when the healing started because I started reading old, um, sixties books on and looking at like, you know, women in the sixties, I can't remember this one woman did this whole book of like drawings of vaginas as flowers. And then I got really into George O'Keefe and like started like trying to appreciate the vagina as a pretty thing. And one of the things that they did in the sixties in the feminist movement, they'd have these circles where women would actually take a big mirror out and they'd lift their skirts and they'd all look at their vaginas. Yeah. Maybe even draw their vaginas or paint their paint pictures of their vaginas. And like, I've done that with women's groups today. And they're like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. I would have never thought of that. And I was like, it's been happening for a long time and it's really therapeutic. And then, you know, women will sit around and they will like laugh and cry and like talk, put all the art in the middle of the room and we'll look and talk about the experience. It's really cathartic. Yeah. And all their stories. It's like amazing that there's probably more people that were sexually abused or sexually assaulted or covertly uh, incested than weren't really. Yeah. It's like, in these it's rooms like, when you're in these rooms or just no, I mean, statistically. Yeah. It's like guesstimated to be 60, 70% of women. Yeah. But I think that the estimates for men are low because men tend to kind of brush off what was sexual abuse. They kind of tend to brush under the rug as like, oh, that was just experimentation. Mm-hmm. Like I know one guy who was in college and he was only like, whatever, like 17 when he went to college and the TA was like in a master's program. And so she was, I don't know, in her mid twenties, maybe late twenties. And she had a fling with him that she asked him to keep secret. And she like always made him please her, but would never please him. Whoa. Yeah. So it, that's abuse, honey. <laughs> <laughs> she had power over him. Mm-hmm. She could control his grades. Yeah. And well, he, the culture. And he thought, oh my God, well, I'm sleeping with this older woman and she's teaching me things. I'm like, what did she teach you? That sex, sex is for the person in power and not the person without power? Mm-hmm. Like, what did you learn there? You know, so. Well, it's also a different culture, I think, around men. <laughs> admitting abuse because it's often tied up with like questions of masculinity and then vulnerability vulnerability too yeah 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 what else do you think there is there people tend to have a sort of misconception of that a man is like really weak if that happens to him or like and i think it's like there is some sort of so sad 
or it's like lucky if you like an right. older woman takes interest in you and you're younger than you're like a stud and it's like cool but it's actually fucking yeah. creepy it is fucking creepy and that's like taking advantage of you yeah it and doesn't I think, matter which gender yeah you can whatever. easily be just as preyed on being a boy as being a girl yeah yeah it's about power Mm-hmm. It's about abuse of power. And I mean, like, perverted people out there, they yeah. don't give a shit. So, yeah, I think there's plenty of men walking around who have been sexually abused that don't think that it was sexual abuse and they just stuff it. And that's too bad because a lot of those are the people who repeat it or they end up deeply depressed and not knowing why and mm-hmm. destroying their own lives and other people's lives. Or it plays out in relationships yeah. or shows manifest later as like intimacy issues. Yeah, intimacy issues, like, intimacy avoidance that kind of thing yeah non-committal now we're getting more into a time where there's open discourse about sexual abuse and yeah what constitutes rape or what constitutes sexual assault and things weren't as transparent like 10 yeah, years are, ago or even a, like five years we are ago. in an accelerated awakening time right now really accelerated awakening time yeah things are shifting so fast we need a we too movement you know, yeah. seriously, because there's this polarization between men and women right now. Like I got into, um, you know, one of the hired taxi, uh, I'm not going to name it. I don't want to advertise them, but you know, one of those app taxis, like a ride sharing, a ride sharing. And I, you know, I always talked to the drivers and, um, he brought up the Bikram, like, you know, Bikram's on the run for, mm-hmm. you know, molesting yeah. his students, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, this supposedly spiritual guy who creates this yoga practice that's like marketed to gazillions of people. And here he is, supposed spiritual guy abusing his power mm-hmm. and u- abusing his power sexually. Raping women that had paid yeah. to take his yeah. yoga teacher certification yeah. courses. Yeah. So this driver, I'm talking about this driver and he seems like a totally cool guy. He was a really cool guy. He was sweet. And I guess we got on the topic of yoga or something. And he brought up, he's like, yeah, I just don't really believe that that Bikram guy, like he seems like such a good guy. I just like, don't believe that he did that stuff. And I looked at him through the, (laughs) I looked at him as we pulled over, you know, and stopped and I was about to get out and I looked at him and I said, listen, uh, this happens to lots of people and why would anyone make that up and he's like oh you know just to get money or whatever and what I was kind like, of money do you think they're no one's getting money. <laughs> it's like the whole thing i know i was like um he's like run off specifically <laughs> so that he doesn't have to pay yeah. people money for like <laughs> fucking them over yeah, exactly and i'm like yeah first of all that's the truth and the second of all the peop- whistleblowers of all kinds in corporate situations usually end up being uh, fired um, because they're a greater risk to the company than, you know, the person who is probably of more power in the company that abused the their privileges of being in their position of power. Mm-hmm. Um, whistleblowers of all kinds always get shamed. I mean, we just heard about if you're following like Gwyneth on Goop, she was talking to the detectives from the New York times or the the writers from the New York times Mm -hmm. about she's Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Yeah. Their book that they just published. Yeah. About 
investigating that whole story yeah. and like finally being able to like write and expose him for being a serial rapist. Yeah. And even Gwyneth said during the whole process of them asking her questions and investigating that, you know, they, they were like, you know, why, um, were you reluctant to come forward with it? You know? And she's like, well, I haven't seen many cases where whistleblowers get treated well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's usually them who, they who are shamed and they who lose everything, you know? So, um, and I think still there is a perception of a lot of whistleblowers as being like they re victim, they have to like relive the trauma. Yeah. But then it kind of is like, they're almost branding themselves as a victim and then they're remembered as a victim rather than like as an empowered person that decided to like call out abuse and try in attempt to put a stop to it, which is actually like a very powerful thing to do. Takes a lot of courage. As I watched like, the Bikram documentary, it's like, I feel a sense of like more pity, I think, for these women that are talking about like being raped by this guy than a sense of like, you go girl or whatever. I mean, I don't right. know how you're supposed to feel. It's like a really horrible situation. Right. But I think that that is still like society and the culture just has to like catch up to it and like reframe it as not being like feel like a really victim-y thing even though it's like i still experience a lot of like victim shame over my sexual assault and it's just like it's not it's so bizarre to think that that's what it would be when you come forward and talk about something that's literally not your fault yeah then actually being like it's the person that should feel ashamed is the perpetrator yeah yeah there's this strange uh feeling of like well i couldn't stop it or i should have stopped it somehow or there's all the all those messages or yeah if you have any or i drank too much or this or like there's always like ever since the 50s you know probably before that they're like well she wore a short skirt or she (laughs) was wearing sexy underwear underneath so she must have wanted it or wasn't wearing underwear or wore red lipstick or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or she's just like a slut. She fucks everyone. So like, obviously it's okay. Oh yeah. Which is like the almost like one of the worst Which is ridiculous. Yeah. I have had clients in my therapy room or in my healing room who are or were sex workers, mm-hmm. you know, escorts, like some of them, and most of them uneducated, uneducated single moms. And, um, I love helping these women because a lot of them have been sexually abused and they think that, well, that's what I have to give to the world and I'm used to it. So, um, I love helping them reclaim their sexual power and they're in dangerous situations I really wish that um, that sex work were to be decriminalized actually in this country, mm-hmm. like in um, Amsterdam, you know, because it would give women protection because 
um, I've had some of those clients will refer other sex workers because they find out I'm not judgmental about their jobs. I I don't tell them you have to quit your job, but I do say like, why don't we examine, you know, as you go along, like what's healthy for you and how is this re-triggering your trauma? And if so, how, but even some of them have been raped, right? Mm -hmm. On the job. Okay. And those men think that it's okay because they're paying. What the fuck? And then when I was counseling people who had been court mandated to come to counseling for, uh, raping women, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, one came and said one, actually it was a clinic for sex addiction. And then we also had a a rehabilitation program for um, people who had raped girls and, um, molested girls and, and boys. And, um, one of the self-elected guys who came in actually asked me one time, he's like, is it rape? If it, if I paid this prostitute. Does that count as rape? Yes. Of course. I love does. that you're doing like basic rape education. <laughs> you're like, if someone Yo. says no, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You, if you do pay. it anyways. That's rape. Or if someone says they don't want to do something, it doesn't matter do if any- you bought them a lobster for mm-hmm. dinner and you ordered a bottle of the most expensive champagne. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you paid them for them to like hang out with you mm-hmm. and like even sexually do stuff with you. But if it's non-consensual, it's non-consensual. That's yeah. it, period. Sex can turn into rape in during the act of sex. Yeah. Like if you're making a move and someone doesn't like what you're doing yeah, and you, you keep doing it anyways, yeah. then you've edged into a place of like sexual assault. Totally. Or it's a, you've edged into a place of non-consensual sex. It should, you should be able to stop at any moment. Either, yeah. either person should be able to say, let's stop. Enthusiastic consent is a great way of knowing. Is this I love enthusiastic that? consent. Being like, yes, love what you're <laughs> yeah. doing. What Keep if, it going. Exactly. And if the other person is, you want more? Huh? Mm-hmm. You like it? You and want more? You ego, like it? Yeah. Yeah. Then that's like proceed. Personally, I love being teased. Mm-hmm. I love it when someone stops and is like, what do you think? And you're like, and I'm like, don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. What? Don't yeah. Stop. More, please. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, and then they're like, really? You sure? And like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like that is awesome. Mm-hmm. But anything that's not that, yeah, I don't know. Or if you, I mean, now I'm thinking of like scenarios if maybe you like want to have some sort of erotic scenario where like, no, don't do well, it. Then but then you just get a safe word and, and then yeah, that's yeah, like the thing. Exactly. There are ways. It's not like you can like, I don't. Tony's up like there barking. Re- Tony's like freaking I don't know out. If the, the readers can hear, but um, Tony really, shit. Tony really wants to be involved in this conversation. I know he's dying <laughs> to get in on the podcast action. Furious that he's left out. <laughs> but like, I don't think there's necessarily a way to like accidentally rape someone. <laughs> I think like I don't think that that's no. Possible. Yeah, no. Um, but women do freeze up. Yeah. So if a man sees a woman freezing up, he needs to stop. Yeah. 
if you sense that a person has gone full log mode yeah. then it's <laughs> yeah, probably hello. they're not in they're like it. dissociating which means disconnected from their body shooting out of their body looking down at their body from the ceiling because they've probably had some kind of trauma before or you're traumatizing them hello yeah well what let's talk about that though because what is a good way to if you notice yourself as a, the woman in that situation or the person in yeah, that situation right. who's starting to kind of freeze or get uncomfortable. Yeah, because this happens to men who are abused too. Yeah. What is a good way to get back into your body and vocalize like I need a break or say like put the brakes on the whole thing? Like if you can't find your voice and all of a sudden you feel frozen? Yeah. Or like sometimes it's like you'll feel uncomfortable like let's say some guy comes over and you're like making out, but then he wants to like do more and you're kind of like, no, no. But then he is like more insistent on it. And then you kind of just like let it happen. It doesn't, it's not necessarily rape and it's not necessarily sexual assault, but it doesn't feel good. Yeah. And it's one of those ambiguous gray area situations. How do you stop yourself from doing that? Letting it go too far? Yeah, in a way that's comfortable for you. You know, one time I had a guy come over to my house and I had a, I lived in a house full of people, a really cool house, a bunch of cool roommates and they were all asleep and I just like, he just wanted to come over. I've met him a few times and he was a photographer and like he knew people who knew I knew and like we went out to a concert and I think he came over like we were going to have some like miso soup or something like totally innocent and then he asked to see my bedroom i was i think it was in my 20s and he asked to see my bedroom and i was like sure yeah because i had told him i had just like painted different rooms in the house and like you know it was very special and i got this cool bed and i was not insinuating anything at all so i opened the door and i don't go in my bedroom and i let him peek in and he peeks in and then like he walks around in there. I did not go in mm-hmm. and I'm like waiting by the door and then I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go downstairs and make us cups of miso soup. And then like, you're going to go home. And I went downstairs and for a long time he did not come down. <laughs> and I was like, he thinks I'm coming up there. What an idiot. Um, and so I, finally he comes down cause I like, sort of yell whisper his name up the stairs Mm -hmm. and he comes down and we have our miso soup and then he just sits there on the couch and he's like edging towards me and he puts his arm around me and he's like trying to kiss me and I was like yo fill in the blank name I'm not going to say because he's like a famous photographer Mm -hmm. but um, I'm not that mean but uh, you know nothing went down that bad that I need to like call him out or whatever but there was this really it was really difficult to get him to leave yeah some guys are just persistent like that i don't know if women do that to men but like if a guy told me to leave i would be like out of there if a guy was like no go now i'd be like like, holy shit i'm embarrassed so sorry see you later yeah alligator <laughs> yeah like sometimes see it's you just later like, alligator like so sorry i don't want to hurt your feelings or make you uncomfortable but like this guy just persisted and that's not the only time yeah like out in public you know how like a guy will like follow you around a club or a bar or sh- a show or whatever and mm-hmm. like keep talking to you or like keep running into you on purpose yeah 
and just like not shut up and not leave you alone. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like getting, if you feel yourself just in getting into like a free zone, is there a way to like come back into your yes. body so that you can vocalize? Because there like, is. you know what you need to say and that situation is be like, so the first thing is to realize you're freezing. And unfortunately a lot of women end up, getting sexually assaulted before they realize, Oh my God, I need to learn how not to freeze. Mm -hmm. So then they come to me and I'm like, okay, let's learn. Let's teach you how to detect when you're about to go into freeze. Let's also walk you into like how to not get into situations where you might be alone with someone that you don't know that well, Mm -hmm. because we should know people a lot better than we do before bringing them home. But unfortunately there's a lot of risk taking, especially when drinking is involved. Yeah. Or drugs, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so that you, what you can do is you can focus on something in your sensory capacity. Like, what does the couch feel like that you're sitting on? Take a deeper breath. So that automatically starts to reorient your nervous system. Because we're not breathing, we're freezing up. Mm-hmm. All of our muscles are starting to get tense. We're, our adrenaline is shooting up. And like that's your fight or flight or freeze mode, right? So breathing helps. Really, really deep breath. And then get any sound out that you can. And the best sound would be stop. Mm-hmm. And if you can insert that person's name, then insert that stop John or stop Jane mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Stop. Just keep repeating stop. And that's all you need to say. Yeah. Stop. No. And if they don't, they're raping you. Yeah. Yeah. Or molesting you or whatever. They're doing something bad. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. So use all your senses. If you can just be like that book over there is red, like at least then it gets you into your mental capacity to like perceive and be in the room or my body feels warmer uh, up around the top and my feet are cold or um, my hairband is really tight. I just noticed and then start breathing. You just like have to notice things. Mm hmm. Notice one thing. The window's open. There's some breeze coming in, you know. Hang on to it and start breathing. And start breathing and then try to get your voice out. And I've been in this position where it's like you don't, you worry more about what that person's going to think than what's really going on and what feels right and what feels wrong for you. And the most important thing in that situation is you, not them. Exactly. Whoa, we're getting really heavy over here. I liked it when we were talking about engorged clitorises and like, Me too. Playing, yoni playing with yoni eggs. I want to get back to a place of like, yoni eggs. It's a little egg. more fun thing. Yeah. Whoa. Um, but I mean, it's good to go and talk about the shadow stuff. And that was important. Yeah. You can't really have the light without exactly. the shadow. Yep. Gotta talk about both. But then so. So like, why are we all reclaiming our bodies? Because we've been repressed. Yeah. So what we're talking about is like socially being having our voices be silenced by everything that we've grown up being taught to mm-hmm. be a good girl, be compliant, be sexy and pleasing. Yeah. But know. also be like a virgin <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's very confusing. Do both things. Yeah. Like cut off from your sexuality. And shut your bitch mouth. <laughs> <laughs>
keep your mouth shut. Yeah, it's like really confusing. Yeah. So now, basically, we're taught that our sexuality we we are still taught this, and we've had a sexual revolution, and like, there's all these blogs on like how to you know please your man and stuff. I'm like, what? Why do you want to learn how to please the man so bad? Yeah. Shouldn't he learn how, like, what he likes and how to express that? Yeah. I mean, men and, should like, probably be should learning be how to please things. women because women are a little bit, take yeah. a little bit more effort. Exactly. There needs to be a lot more curiosity around that. Come on. Let's talk reclaiming your sexual vitality. Yes. In the wake of let's say you've gone through a situation like a we too me too situation steps of like reclaiming okay being sexy again let's go back to oxytocin and the drugstore in your brain yeah so one thing is i wanted to say earlier and i'm glad you're looping back to that is um an exercise that you can do to cause the pleasant hormones to be flooding through your body as if you are looking into the eyes of a, of a beloved, sweet, trusted lover. You can take a hand mirror like that you can get from the drugstore, you know, one that you could like use for whatever camping or whatever. Um, a hand mirror that's like, you know, about, I don't know, like probably about like 10 inches around or square or whatever with a handle. And you can look into your own eyes about an arm's length is, or a little closer, wherever you focus nicely. And you get really comfortable like on your bed or on your couch. And you just look into your own eyes with as little judgment about your appearance as possible. So if you want to make the room like lit nicely, if that helps. Light some candles, <laughs> turn, like, dim the lights. <laughs> like seriously, if you have, which we all do, looking mm-hmm. in mirrors is usually to like to check like how to fix something or what's wrong or like we we all have these things about mirrors that we can actually turn the mirror into a tool to stimulate instead of criticism. Mm-hmm. We can use it to stimulate self-love and mm-hmm. self-love chemicals and love hormones to flow through our bodies. So your brain does not know the difference between looking into your own eyes and looking into the eyes of a trusted lover. Really? Yeah. Your body reacts the same with the same bonding chemicals. Now, if you add self-massage that's like sensual, like coat yourself in some lovely massage oil or something, Mm -hmm. just like massage yourself like wherever you want to, like wherever you have tension and, um, I I teach people how to massage themselves for like pressure points and things for certain health things, but I've also taught people like how to do sensual massage on themselves for um, reclaiming their sexual power and Mm -hmm. and for sexual healing and reducing the shame around their bodies. And um, so when you look in the mirror, you can use your other hand to do lovely things to your body with oils all over your body, maybe scented oils. I really like almond oil. Some people like coconut oil, um, but I like to put a little drop of some kind of like really natural high quality aromatherapy, like frankincense and rose and sandalwood, or some people like cedar and lavender, something calming, but you can just use it straight up. And 
you can say positive affirmations. If you're not ready to like touch your genitalia, that's fine. Just like massage the rest of your body mm-hmm. and look while at, looking at yourself, while looking at yourself in the mirror and like try to have non-judgmental thoughts. Like if a negative thoughts come, come into your head, like if you, if you're like, Oh my God, I look so bad today. At least turn it into a positive thought. Like it's possible that I'm completely lovable the way I am. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be like, I'm a rock star. Like I'm so beautiful. I'm a supermodel. But tell yourself something that's like opening your mind, opening your synapses to the possibility. I I think positive affirmations are useful to people who are at a certain stage of ego development where they can handle it. Yeah. But otherwise, it just sounds like stupid. Otherwise, it just starts to sound like a lie. And then you feel like this isn't working. You get discouraged. Yeah. So I really encourage people to use neutral affirmations as a stepping stone. And even to stay there, like just, you can even just say, it is completely possible that somebody who loves me will love me just the way I am, or I am lovable just the way I am. It's possible that my sexuality is a beautiful gift given to me, you know, for my own pleasure. Mm -hmm. Because we all have some element of sexual shame from somewhere. I mean, our culture is very confusing. Yeah. And very uneducated. So you're looking at yourself in the mirror and just like touching for how long? You know, like soft feather strokes or little pressure points or whatever, like as long as you want. I would say at least 10 minutes Mm -hmm. to start and then work your way up to, you know, like self belly massage, pubic bone massage, inside of thighs. And then you're really warmed up for either using your yoni egg, which you then lube up, run it under warm water, lube it up and pop it in. Cause you're all warmed up mm-hmm. or just masturbation while you're still looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And if you can watch yourself come and send yourself loving messages, like um, really simple things, like one that I love to give people as a kind of mantra for this mirror thing is my body, my pleasure. Oh, I like that. Yeah. As you're like looking. Mm, my body, my pleasure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like say it all <laughs> sexy to yourself <laughs> and look in your own eyes. It'll make you giggle. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you smile. It might even make you cry tears. Might just It's catharsis. Mm-hmm. Might make That's you feel fine. wildly uncomfortable, That's but work fine. through it. Work through it. Eventually you will feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I love, like, yeah. a, literally go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please. Both. Go gen- any fuck yourself. And all. You do not need the Gender porn. identities can all, gender all fuck identities. themselves. Go fuck yourself. Go understand. Go play with that body. Mm-hmm. And, like, get to know what it's like without distracting yourself with porn. Yeah. Or fantasizing about some dude that you just got with her guy or girl or they or who like see what it's like to just be with you because mm-hmm. you are a divine being with all of these erogenous zones and amazing chemicals that can like be well that are natural antidepressants yeah and energy and energy and vitality your blood pumps your heart circulates all this you know it's like it's cardiovascular exercise too by the way mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, it's super healthy. 
then do you women should masturbate every day every day once a day yeah yeah i'm really behind on that yeah we better catch up <laughs> then do you lay at and your own watch pace yourself? my dear at your own pace do you lay and watch yourself afterwards you totally do that's the really gets good yeah the afterglow and then like you like you know like and you're like god you, like I brush the sweat off your face yeah. like you smile at yourself mm-hmm. and then like you're like that's like, when the oxytocin is really yeah. flowing yeah and when you will get obsessed and addicted to yourself, to yourself. yeah yeah like you pillow talk you like flip over and like you lay on your pillow i'm doing it right here you can mm-hmm. probably hear my voice change <laughs> and like you put your mirror down like next to yourself like i love you self mm-hmm. i love you so much and you're like you're so pretty right now yeah yeah so this is like this is like entry level um uh phd and self-love stuff mm-hmm. yeah this is just like a dip your toe in the water of yeah sexual vitality and yeah. self-love yeah and sexual i think healing. that all the readers can get a hand mirror and go fuck themselves yeah go get a hand mirror and go fuck yourself i like that that's your homework and i want to know Reader. write me please write me an email <laughs> babepodcast at gmail.com and tell me if you went and fucked yourself this week if you <laughs> fucked off go? this week how did it go was it bizarre did you feel did good did you cry did, did you, you cry was it cathartic did you laugh did you feel yeah. wildly stupid and yeah. uncomfortable but you did it anyways yeah did you do it and then give up but then do yeah. it again i'll do it this week yeah i'll do it one time in the next between now and the next episode of babe i'll go fuck myself <laughs> <laughs> with the hand mirror with the hand mirror in your front of your face yeah right in front of my face yeah and i challenge you to give up the vibrator for three months okay you know why the vibrator makes it so easy i know that's the problem but that's the best part is it's like 30 seconds and done yeah but the longer that you maintain that oxytocin flow mm-hmm. ooh, it builds up so ultimately you want to get to like an everyday you want to build masturbation yeah vibe like, free yeah like like 15 minute masturbation wow seems time consuming that's what the men say about foreplay right mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how much more lesbians do foreplay? A lot. Yeah, lesbians' Lots. entire Lots relationship is foreplay. foreplay. Yeah. Actually, foreplay should be happening all the time. It should be happening in your words. It should be happening Mental in your foreplay. Text. Yeah. It should be happening in your sweet little like notes left on like people's doorstep. I hopefully you're in a relationship. Um <laughs> <laughs> Don't stalk anybody. No, I'm just like four playing him right now. <laughs> four play can be like, I'm out of town, baby, uh, and I'm gonna see you in three days, and ooh, you're gonna get it. Or it can be like a text message that just is like, remember the last time we kissed and how beautiful that was, and how like the wind was like kind of chilly when we had our coats on and i zipped your 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 like jacket up for you and pulled you close and like the the little snowflakes on your eyelashes and then like i gave you this really hot kiss and like 
I thought we were done. And then like you pulled me harder towards me. Remember like the, all the details of that, honey? Like details. Yeah, detail. details. It's all in the details. Yes. Start noticing and calling out. Yeah, no boring. Every little detail. No boring text messages. Oh my God. Your foreplay in text messages when you're in a relationship should read like a stalker. <laughs> yeah. It should they get... Should. Yeah. You need to feel free to get as creepy as a stalker would, but you have really every detailed. license to do yeah. so because you're in a relationship yeah. with that person. You're in, you're in consent. I like that. Yeah. Just make sure you um, ask the person how they felt after the first really sexy text you sent them. Just check in and be like, yeah, and please, like no vagina dick pics. I mean, this thing has just got to stop. Why no vagina dick pics? No vagina unsolicited. or dick pics. Ugh. no unsolicited because aren't they or, usually unsolicited Dick i guess they're usually unsolicited come on i i get just so no unsolicited many. like genitalia pet please readers but like it's Pass fine it if on. you're if someone's begging for it make them beg for it yeah and yeah. then maybe tease it out over yeah. like a <laughs> You know those little flip books where it's like each <laughs> each frame is like an animation moving like a little closer. That's how you should do text a series of fifteen pictures of slowly like what? showing. What do you mean, like ten feet away, and then like? <laughs> no, just like it's like you. One hand is like do undoing your pants and pulling it down, oh, yeah. but each picture like is like story. it takes like twenty pictures I to get it. to the final. Yeah. Like a burlesque money shot, yeah, yeah, the burlesque. That's awesome. Like a like a really cool old fashioned striptease. Let's do some reader mail. Mm-hmm. This is fun. This is fun. We have a good one today. Yeah. Dear Lara and fun, insightful guest, I'm a 28 year old drag performer, painter, and theater major in my senior year of college, living in a small town outside of Baltimore. It's called Havre de Grace, and its only claim to fame is it's the duck decoy capital of the world and House of Cards is filmed here. So yeah, lol. Before I get into my shit show of a love life, I just wanted to thank you for all your Vanderpump Rules content. I've used SUP as a source for several papers I've written for school, including the most recent paper in my theater history class about how Vanderpump Rules has elements of ancient Greek theater, where I compare Jax to Oedipus and Stasi and Dodie to the Euripides character of Medea. I do plan on writing my thesis on Vanderpump Rules next semester. Both Babe and Sup have made my 30-minute commute to school more bearable, and I plan on joining your Patreon once I am not a broke art student any longer. I have a situation with with my love and dating life that I need to get a trusted opinion on. Back in September, I won a mature student scholarship at school for students over 25 years of age. Total troll by the college. This guy and I seemed to instantly click our first time meeting at the luncheon we were forced to attend. He was a total babe. I was wearing a Trixie Mattel shirt and this guy went out of his way to comment on it. Being a drag performer, I've always, I'm always having painted nails and residue of makeup on. So I think he figured out quickly that I'm a drag queen. We connected on our love of all things drag and lolled and rolled our eyes at the speaker. Afterward, we walked out of the building together and bonded over how much of a waste of time and troll that luncheon was. Afterwards, the next Saturday, we had to do a cookout social lunch for the scholarship, and during that, we clicked even more. We shared numbers and Instagrams, and I walked away smiling and happy because I had a gut feeling that he felt different. 
Later that night, I had some Later that night, I needed some kind of confirmation, so I did a tarot card reading on myself, and they said that I'm working on my soulmate relationship, so my OCD brain latched onto this. I reached out to him, and we set a date to go grab lunch at a local cafe the following week. I thought this was perfect because the date was between classes for me, so there wasn't a chance that I was going to sleep with him on the first date like I normally do. We had a good three-hour lunch date, having great conversation throughout. We had a lot of strange synchronicities and random coincidences. He said he was having a problem with his solar plexus due to trauma from his last relationship that ended in December, and he was seeing an acupuncturist for this. I'm dealing with the same thing from my first boyfriend who had to break up with three years ago and later died of a meth overdose last December. I didn't want to mention the X-Files, so I didn't mention it during our date, but I was weirdly giddy inside because of this coincidence. Being a Reiki master, this chakra talk lights me up. We ended up with him and I doing our personality tests for one of his classes, and we seemed to match and got to, kn- and got to know a lot about each other through it. Lastly, he drove me to my car, and we ironically drove the same car, so I thought this could be something. The following week, I got drunk at a theater outing and messaged him that since our date, I haven't stopped thinking about him and smiling, to which I never got a response. Meanwhile, we had two more of those mature student luncheons, and I made sure to look my best and effort. I made sure to look my best and effortlessly striking. He was a no-show at both of them, which disappointed me and sent me into some bad mental health. I wanted to reach out, and I messaged him asking how his acupuncture appointments were going. He told me it was good, and that his acupuncturist told him he had a past life as a Nazi, and this is the reason why he's in a nursing profession. Meanwhile, this seemed like another weird coincidence we had as I'm ethnically German with blonde hair and blue eyes and recently found out that I have some family members who were part of the Nazi party. Ironically, the day before reaching out, I saw a psychic who told me my ancestors' karma is why I'm gay. I think that psychic was a whack job, but anyway, I thought it was another weird synchronicity. Cut to December, and I don't know what to do. He's graduating next week, and my chances with him seem to be sailing away. I'm seven years in recovery from an eating disorder and I've been making strides to better my life and I've been very successful with both my drag performing and paintings. I feel like I'm at a point where I want a relationship but I'm having a hard time with it. I'm a lovable eccentric weirdo and I don't understand why I seem to be hung up on this guy. What should I do with him? Should I let him go as I haven't really talked to him recently or should I message him again? I'm trying to let go and the universe take its course, but I'm finding it difficult. My gut says this is maybe something big. We have a lot of social trauma and issues with self-worth and self-esteem from years of homophobic bullying and any possible love connection triggers it when I feel like people don't like me and ignore me. It makes the negative self-talk scream inside my head and can cause a self-loathing spiral. I keep thinking about the strange synchronicities and what tarot cards said. Should I just say the tarot cards were trolling me or are they onto something? Should I forget him? Sorry for the novel of a letter, but I would love your insight into this situation. Peace, love, and bang. I love that this person is being so vulnerable here and sharing so much information to work with. Yeah. And this is a topic that I think is really coming up for a lot of people these days because obviously the reader here is super aware and emotionally intelligent Mm -hmm. and also spiritually developed and exploring that in relationship, which is like 
very mature um, and beautiful, right? Then they also understand like social oppression that they've internalized. And, you know, this reader is like super on it. They're super lit. But anybody at any level can get confused when they find what they feel like is a soulmate. So mm-hmm. some some people are referring to those as twin flames. Have you heard that? Yeah. Being, and being I'm obsessed around? with the idea of a twin flame. Yeah. So I have a lot of uh, insight on this twin flame stuff because I've had so many clients come to me that have similar questions that, um, you know, what should I do about this person that feels like my twin flame? Um, am I supposed to be with them forever? You know, should I go after them? Should I stay with them even though there's a lot of trouble? Um, I think that there are many people who are right now on the planet because they are exploring their emotional intelligence so much and because they're exploring their spirituality and they're really coming into their own, they're meeting their twin flames more. Mm -hmm. But here's the rub. It's not a Disney like Cinderella story, you know, Yeah, the shoe fits and suddenly you're together forever and whatever. That's all hetero gender, you know, genderized, but it it doesn't matter what uh, color or gender or whatever your relationship you're in. This weird fairy tale mentality has per- imperv- uh, it's like permeated the culture. Per- I'm tongue tied. <laughs> <laughs> it's permeated our our whole culture. I mean, how many of us have had that like Disney fairy tale love affair? Like, you know, there, there's the one out there, and you're gonna find them, and that's your soulmate. Yeah, I kind mean, of thing on their mind from when they were little kids, right? We've just had it like thrown in our face in the media constantly. Well, it's also dangerous because you can meet someone and feel really strongly about them and they could meet you and feel really strongly about you. But then when shit starts to get difficult, you pull away because it's like, well, yeah, this it must it's supposed to be like just amazing and then love and like, blah, right. Blah, blah. Like and it's, it's supposed to be like all that. smooth, smooth sailing. Yeah. When actually one of the things that twin flames do is they bring up your shit. Yeah. To me, uh, reading this email, my first instinct was like, you maybe this person isn't necessarily the person you're supposed to be with, but it sounds like they're definitely a mirror. Like, yes, you're seeing a lot of yourself in this person. And then the areas that you need to work on relationship wise are being reflected back at you in a major way. Absolutely. So twin flames tend to push each other's buttons. So they might have this immediate attraction that feels really smooth and easy Mm -hmm. or, or intense or passionate or like love at first sight even or just a familiarity. And maybe you feel like you have a lot of things in common and all of the psychic stuff that the reader has put in there, like the, you know, pulling cards and all that stuff. Yeah. It shows that there is a resonance. They're resonating at similar frequencies. Mm -hmm. So twin flames tend to resonate at similar frequencies when they meet. And if you want to take this to the next level from like a 50,000 feet up perspective, My understanding of twin flames and my experience of it is that twin flames are splintered from like the same star. So some people might call that like your oversoul because we exist in all these quantum dimensions. Past lives aren't really past lives because time, as Einstein known, can 
knew. Um, well, he, he's somewhere knowing. Yeah. <laughs> still, he still knows it. He still knows it somewhere in the collective consciousness that um, time is actually not linear. And it actually freaked him out. Einstein freaked himself out with a lot of his experiments in quantum physics. I love that for him. <laughs> I hope we all get to a level where we just get so deep into whatever we love that you freak yourself the fuck out. Yeah, that you like break all the realities that you had before. That's true passion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just for the pure like curiosity of discovery, right? Yeah. So we have to do that in relationships too. And it takes courage. So one of the things about... um what I was saying is like past lives and, you know, we may have traveled many past lives with people. It also can be perceived from a quantum perspective as we are already existing in multiple times all at once. Okay. So you can have parts of yourself acting out in ancient Egypt and, you know, um, uh, ancient Lumeria and like all different kind of galactic ages around the planet, not just earthly ages. Um, and you can be interacting with your twin flames in all of those different dimensions at the same time. So you feel like you really know them. Now, my understanding of it is that we are all made of stardust and some of us are literally splintered off of the same stars. And so we resonate at certain frequencies. And so when we meet our other, you know, little chip off that star, we resonate with them because they're they're a lot like us and their life path may have taken on a lot like our life path has been shaped they may have had similar traumas they may have similar lifestyle and interests and things like that they might even physically look similar to us like be you're both ectomorphs or both endomorphs or um you know so this is a very interesting thing um now does that mean that you need to stay with your twin flame forever like the fairy tale cinderella crap not necessarily but you have a lot to learn from them yeah and they have a lot to learn from you because you are so similar it's like you're missing your twin that you were separated from at birth or something and then you discover them again it's a little incestuous. Mm-hmm. That is incestuous. <laughs> it's a little like quantumly incestuous. Yes. So it can feel a little too intense. So that's why a lot of times people want to pull away from their twin flame because it feels that intense. It's like smothering, you know, like climbing back into the womb with your twin. Or you have you ever known any twins? Um, or have like, I? What about the famous, some famous twins? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how like they do not always get along. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, I would wonder. I was always curious about like what I would be like if I had a twin, how much that would like fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> or if I would just like be obsessed with it and love it. Yeah. Probably not though. What if you and your twin had like the same traumas and things like that? Yeah. It would be kind of hard to be around them, right? Mm-hmm. Once we so. do a lot of button pushing. You do a lot of button yeah, exactly. And there'd be a lot of competition yep. and yeah. Mm-hmm. who can evolve faster and, and so there's this magnetic attraction that then if the person spins their back on you there's this magnetic repulsion that's just as strong and if someone's not willing to look at their wounding 
which the twin flames always push on each other's wounds or, mm-hmm. you know, they're always like, uh, is that tender? Is that tender? You know, unconsciously. Yeah. Or even consciously, maybe they'll turn to their twin flame and be like, Hey, I'd like you to work on that. Like, why are you turning away from me and ignoring me? You know, what's that about? And asking them to be honest and like speak up. Are they scared? Are they feeling smothered? Like what are they, are they not getting their needs met? What is it? And maybe the other one can't take that. Yeah. So the timing doesn't always align um, in terms of, you know, growth. So one twin flame might get triggered by the other twin flame and be like, I am going to take this and I am going to develop and I am going to learn from it and all this wounding stuff that's similar to their wounding stuff. I may not be able to help them with theirs. I'm just going to like work on mine now. So I, I would suggest to this reader that they work on them nurturing themselves right now. The, yeah. The most nurturing their own self and they can be honest and say, you know, when you don't reach out to me, it feels like this. And then if that other person doesn't step towards them, turn towards them, magnetically come back, there's not much left to do. And also, maybe this is part of a life lesson of figuring out how to be less hard on yourself in the face of rejection, or what you perceive as rejection, which for this other person, they might not even perceive it that way. Right. They might be be withdrawing to protect themselves from intense feelings, which is usually why people withdraw. Mm -hmm. And the reader, it sounds like is in a lot of pain. I mean, obviously, um, rejection for us is almost deadly because if we were like cave people and we were rejected, we would die. Yeah. We need our tribe to survive. Right. So rejection uh, actually registers as pain in our brain. So I want the reader to know that. It registers in the same centers that pain Mm -hmm. registers. It fires your brain like pain. So that's why like bullying kind of, you know, when kids ostracize a kid from a group or gosh forbid adults do that too sometimes. Um, Or when you feel jilted by a lover or dumped or ignored. Yeah, that rejection actually feels like pain. It's very painful. The challenge is how do you separate from your twin flame or your soulmate, as the reader calls it, this relationship, how do you separate what's yours and what's theirs? What's your responsibility and what's their responsibility? And then you don't have to take their rejection of you personally. You have a choice. And a lot of us spiral out when someone rejects us because it hurts and we go, oh my gosh, what, what could I do better? You know? Mm-hmm. There must be something wrong with me. Uh, what did I do wrong? Or what could I do better? Or how can I help this person? If you're an empath, you'd be like, oh my God, I really want to help this person through it because I understand them so well because I'm I'm like them. Yeah. Or you're kicked into like reach out mode, which is then when you get into like obsessive oh, contact yeah. or something like that where oh, it's yeah. like just trying to make it right or over explain yourself and blah 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 which is a very slippery slope Ooh, been there yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i think we all have and that's natural because when you've had that that spark you want it back and you're like where did it go how do i get this back and it gave you so much reward in the beginning and so you're reaching out reaching out reaching out reaching out trying to get it again mm-hmm it's kind of like an addiction. Yeah. It has that little spark of addiction because 
because love and attraction fires off the drugstore in our brain. And we've talked about that before, like sexual attraction or romantic attraction, that kind of mental obsession about, you know, someone and enough that you're like looking up their astrology and seeing, you know, where are you compatible and thinking about them all the time. You're firing off all of these beautiful chemicals that are pleasurable in your brain that are meant to bond people. Mm -hmm. And but if you're just one way bonding, right? It's like not healthy. If you're, yeah, if you're one way bonding with a fantasy, Mm -hmm. um, that that other person's bonding the same way and you don't reality check with them. Yeah. Like, Hey, how do you feel? Or reality check with yourself and be like, this person hasn't texted me back or is giving me like one word text back. So it seems to be kind of like falling off the radar. Right. I don't, it's like not you just kind of ha- you deserve to give yourself the gift of raw honesty in that situation and which it can feel like a what can feel like rejection not, but i don't think yeah. it is rejection necessarily it's just like a reality check yeah which i think can knock the wind out of people yeah it's like a it's like ugh. you know you feel it in your stomach like oh my god if i think about this reality it's that this person is either not capable of stepping up mm-hmm. to the challenges of the relationship and looking at their stuff and like working with courage because all relationships take courage when they start to get like really intimate and personal because mm-hmm. it's risky. It's risky to be intimate and personal, but that's part of the fun. That's part of the beauty. That's part of like how we help each other grow. Yeah. I mean, even in friendship situations. Or coworker situations. If you're just authentic with each other and you risk saying something like, wow, you know that thing you said? I wonder if you could say it in another tone because it really hurt my feelings. Or, hey, you know when you didn't text me for a few days? Like, can you tell me like what that was about? Because it didn't feel good. That's real vulnerability. Mm-hmm. This reader needs to really do some self-care and learn how to check in with that reality. And when that feels like uh, it knocks the wind out of you, do something that you love, do something good for yourself, sprinkle rose petals all over your house, like put on your favorite songs and have like a three to 15 minute dance party by yourself. Like, you know, I actually do these things. So yeah, (laughs) light a lovely candle and just like vibe out take a hot bath or a shower and relax and like actually enjoy it, you know, like luxuriate and like drawing the soap around across your body or body scrub or washing your hair or whatever it is. And, and like treat yourself like the sovereign prince, princess or whomever you are. I love that advice and don't over text and like check in and like, that's just gonna, that's like adding literal fuel to the fire. Yeah, like turn off your social media connections to this person mm-hmm. so that it doesn't keep popping up. And because part of being rejected is actually traumatic for people. Yeah, it's it starts to become very stressful in the nervous system. And so checking is a response to trauma, actually. It's that fight flight mode thing where like your eyes are darting around like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking. Well, Now people are scrolling, 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 clicking, clicking, clicking. And yeah, it's very, very similar. And there's not just because you felt this way about this one person 
and are experiencing these types of synchronicities doesn't mean that this is like somehow this is the only person that you would have that with and if they're rejecting you then it's just over and like I know how easy it is to go into like a totally fatalistic mindset about that kind of thing do you absolutely (laughs) but you also just have to remind yourself that there are a lot of people out there in the world that you will feel connections with and like open yourself up to receive those types of connections absolutely and we're in the age of aquarius right now Mm -hmm. so many more people are encountering those stardust twin flame or soulmate people coming into their lives and making these connections Um, because people are spiritually searching right now because look, we have humanitarian and ecological crises and everybody knows that. And we're all trying to ignore the political stuff and, or get up in arms about it. And there's so much of that in our face all day that we are turning to spirit. Those of us who are evolving and thriving and surviving this period of history, that's very difficult. We are turning to spirituality and mysticism and magic and getting that back in our lives because that is what is going to get us out of these crises. Mm-hmm. Intuition, using our emotional intelligence, being discerning, being authentic, setting real real boundaries around who we are as an authentic, unique person and what we want and expressing our genius in the world. And, if, and I, I mean that everybody has a genius. Yeah. Everyone is like, like everything that led up to you being you, there will never be another you. You have your unique gifts that you offer offer to the world. However, there are going to be people because you are spiritually seeking and you are doing all of these wonderful things and mystical uh, explorations. You're going to meet more of your twin flames. And some of them may be in developmental places in their karma and their life in this lifetime where they might be a total disaster for you. Yeah. They might have the same wounding and have never dealt with it. And so you might be like, wow, we have the same wounding. We're going to experience the same thing together. We're going to like, but also trauma bonding bond is not it. a healthy, that's <laughs> not a healthy thing. You know what? Yes. What you call trauma bonding, where it's done in an unhealthy codependent way where you're trying to fix each other. Yeah. That's not cool. But it, it is actually cool when people like when I do women's groups and get them all in the same room or, you know, I've done just mixed gender. I've done um, men's groups as well and public events for all people. When you get people in the room on certain topics that they do have experience around and maybe pain around. And I was just at a group and this is more general, um, not related to like, you know, romantic relationships, but it was about it was a group about the stress of a ecological disaster on our planet and what do we do about it and how does that emotionally make us feel so we were, it was like a sharing around that so that shared trauma yeah right and when you actually get people in a room you know speaking about their sexual challenges or their relationship challenges or their childhood wounding and they have similar wounds um it can actually be really empowering If everybody is in that room, or let's say the two people in the relationship are completely devoted to want to grow and that they accept that each person has their sovereignty, they own their responsibility for their own self-growth. 
but they can share their stories and say, oh, you know what? This isn't so freaky. Like it's actually kind of normal. It happens to a lot of people or a lot of people are going through it and that reduces the shame. Mm -hmm. So dear reader, you are not the only one going through this. Yeah, absolutely not. It's increasing all over the planet right now because we're in this age. I love it. of, Of spiritual enlightenment on the rise. There's a polarization. There are people who are totally falling into the materialistic. And then there's another big tribe of people who are moving into the emotional intelligence and, you know, um, embracing uh, traits that are more considered feminine, like having a full range of feelings. <laughs> yeah. People are upgrading their personal operating systems. They are upgrading to be full on full spectrum human beings. And not just logical and reasonable, but emotional and spiritual and intuitive. And we need all of that in one package. So it actually sounds like the reader's on the right track. Yeah. This reader is evolving. This reader is like totally blazing trails. This reader needs to be commended. I commend you, reader. You get gold stars for what you're doing with your life's path and being so authentic and take responsibility for what you need to say your your piece. And if it doesn't get a response, let it go. It's that old saying, you know, like, if you love something, set it free. Mm-hmm. If it comes back to you, it's meant to be. Yeah. If it doesn't, it never was. It's meant to be temporary. Thank you so much for being <laughs> here on this episode. It's my pleasure. And teaching us sexual vitality how to fuck off little hints about how to go fuck yourself yeah tell everyone where they can find you you can find me on instagram the most easily at my handle empowerment priestess and you can click through by listening to this podcast you'll get a free gift from me that's video and audio guidance and introductions to some of the things that we've talked about today on your podcast You can book one-on-one sessions with me also via video and from anywhere in the world. So I am lighting up and empowering women all over the globe. Wherever you are, you can reach me. I'm here for you. All it takes is some Wi-Fi. That's all it takes. I love it. I do a lot of work with women though, and mainly, you know, up-leveling to from anywhere from like bottom out like I've just hit my rock bottom burnout or had a horrible thing happen or or my trauma's coming up to like having relationships where I've helped women go from things like that or like a horrible like breakup or whatever um, or hate my job what the hell do I do I've seen women through those stages and helped lift them up and empower them all the way to things like now I'm starting my own business mm-hmm. and now what should I do how do I lead other people I need you know skills like that so I love taking women the full way until they just grow their wings and they say, oh, well, I'll come and see you for a workshop or a tune-up or whatever, but it's been good. I feel good now. It's not like a lifelong commitment type of thing. No, I love giving people tools, like the go fuck yourself in the mirror thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like to give people tools and homework. And if you're the kind of person that wants to not just like dwell on the trauma that you went through, but actually get tools to like move it out of your body Mm -hmm. and move energy that's healing and fight revitalizing into your body. Yeah. That's what I teach. And uh, you're also really non-judgmental. So that's a great thing too. Yeah. You've heard it all. Yes. And you're still here. (laughs) 
Nothing can shock me, baby. I love it. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. Thank I love having you. You have to come back sometime. I will. We can talk about lots of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of talking about other stuff, we're going to move into the bonus episode. So if you want to access that, you can go to patreon.com slash babe podcast and hear us get into more. Mm-hmm. And with that, I bid you all farewell. Farewell. Bye. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Babe? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.